Hello, everyone. Welcome into another Monday night live show here on the Wolverine.com YouTube channel. Uh, I'm Anthony Broom, along with a guest this week. Uh, Clayton and Chris are out and about uh, spreading spreading the good word, uh, so to speak, of what we do here at the Wolverine. So tonight I am joined by a friend of the site, friend of mine, uh, been in the trenches in the Michigan sphere, if you will, uh, for a long time. Isaiah Hole. Isaiah, welcome. Well, also, we're vacation friends. We do vacation. And <laughs> I, I want people to know that. I don't know why. And secondly, I, I don't like to think of myself as a guest as much as I like to think of myself as I'm usurping uh, both Chris and Clayton. And uh, they, they no longer are a part of this show. It's really just going to be me and you from now on. Uh, <laughs> you snooze, you lose. Uh, unfortunately, you take a day off. Someone's going to fight right in there and take your position. And uh, that's uh, what I have what I've done. I like to think. Well, they say possession is nine tenths of the law. So you are in possession of, I, I'll say chair number two, but you're a co-host for the night. You're <laughs> honorary co-host. You're more than a guest. Of course, you can check out all of Isaiah's work at wolverineswire.com. Also the host of the locked on Wolverines podcast. So uh, a lot of ground to cover today. Uh, we want to talk about, uh, you know, I'm starting, we're starting to feel summer E weather in Michigan. It hasn't quite gotten, mm -hmm past 80 degrees but uh, the trees are blooming the sun is out uh, everyone's starting to ha enjoy a little more time outside so we want to talk biggest storylines with michigan football heading into these summer months coming up it'll be uh, about two two and a half months bef uh, between now and when the team heads to fall camp so we'll talk about that i have a couple true or false michigan football narratives i'd like to hit on uh, we will hit briefly uh as much as we can on the commitment of Darrell brooks uh, who joined the basketball program yesterday, class of 2024 guard. And then as we have been doing the last several weeks, we will take questions from both you guys here on the YouTube chat, watching live, and also uh, from our premium message board, the fort. So uh, before we do that, a uh, little more housekeeping to do before we get into the meat and potatoes of the show. We also want to thank a sponsor, uh, uh, the sponsor of our Monday night show in rogueshop.com. If you guys are having issues sleeping, chronic pain and or anxiety or stress. As I've said before, you can check all of those boxes for me, depending on the day, some days, multiple boxes just depends on what's going on. But, uh, you know, rogue shop has a product for you. Uh, they sell CBD, THC, edibles, tinctures, smokables, bath salts, pain creams, topicals, vapes, candles, and soaps, many more. I mean, I feel like, uh, the comparison I always use is, uh, you know, Bubba Gump list, listing off all the different types of shrimp you can get. Uh, so uh, Rogue Shop grows all of their own cannabis in their own facility. All of their products are made with the stuff that they grow with their own hands. The website has a 24-7 chat function where customers can ask anything. They're big on the education part. They're big on answering all of your questions. You go to the website. They have a chat box right on the site for you to ask questions. And you don't have to, you don't have to send them a dime for anything. They'll answer your questions and you can make your decision from there uh, for uh, subscribers of the Wolverine listeners, watchers, whatever category you fall under, use the promo code the Wolverine for 10% off at rogueshop.com. All of their edibles are custom formulated with cannabis vitamins and plant material. Uh, Rogue shop is America's number one online dispensary and health and wellness shop. They operate right out of the heart of big 10 country in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Uh, so check them out today. Use promo code the Wolverine at rogueshop.com. That's R-O-G-U-E-S-H-O-P.com. All that being said now, 
let's hop into the show here. Uh, what everyone is here for. And that is some of our biggest storylines about this Michigan football program heading into the summer. And uh, it was, I, I don't know. I mean, Isaiah, you've been doing this for a while. I mean, we did a whole spring football and honestly, for what my money's worth kind of, I want to say more of one of the more business as usual springs, not a lot of, we know what the expectations of this team are. We know who's coming back. We know the guys who are out injured. Um, I think the biggest takeaway from the spring was the continuity, the expectations, the honing in on those details. But as we exit the spring, as they did, you know, a little over a month ago, now we transition into these summer months. I'll start with this for you. I mean, what do you see right now as the biggest storyline with this team, you know, between now and the time we get to this fall camp? Well, in a way you kind of hit on it. It's just the fact that there aren't any big storylines, right? We're not in this situation where you're looking and saying, okay, we want to, you've got a quarterback battle. Who's going to be the starting X receiver. Who's going to be the, the starting running back. Who's going to, how are they going to fill in all these vacancies for the offensive line or what have you? We pretty much know what this team is, even with all of the positions that were vacated. It's kind of weird that Michigan had nine NFL draft picks last month, and yet it doesn't really feel like they lost anything, right? Like, that's that's really bizarre. I mean, four of those guys won the first three rounds, and yet it, it doesn't really feel like there is a situation where you always see this kind of with the, the rival message boards, right, where it's like, how on earth is Michigan going to replace that person, right? They were always terrible until until they leave, and then Michigan, there's no way they can replace them. Uh, it's one of those things where I just feel like you have, like you said, the continuity it's, it's a situation where they just have pretty much all of the ducks in the row. And that is pretty rare for this Michigan team. Usually, I mean, last year we're talking about a a quarterback battle. We're talking about how you're going to replace Hassan Haskins. Uh, who's going to, who's going to step up on the the defensive line with Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo gone. There was a lot of stuff like that. We're not talking about that this year. So I think now it's 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 kind of a lack of that, which means how do you move forward? How do you press on? How do you get better? Uh, but certainly, and I brought this up on my show quite a bit, it, there's a little bit of leeriness, I think, at least for me as someone who was a Michigan student in 2007, going from 2006 to 2007, because that was the last time that Michigan had this level of expectations, right? Where it's, you, you have to make it to the national championship game. Otherwise it's a failure. What did they do straight out of the gates in 2007? The worst imaginable thing. So I certainly have that in the back of my mind a little bit. So it's a matter of how do you press on? How do you press forward? How do you get better? The good news is the non-conference schedule theoretically sets up really well. And as long as they keep their focus, they're in just such a good spot entering summer. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And we've talked about it a few times here, just in terms of when you watch this last NFL draft, you know, the biggest storyline wasn't that, okay, great. Mozzie Smith went in the first round. You keep that, you know, you keep that pedigree alive. You send some of these impact guys to the draft, but the biggest storyline and NFL guys were talking about it dating back to the combine was that, it's about who isn't in this draft or when they would turn on the tape of these other guys, um, you know, turn on the tape of the Ohio state guys. And you're seeing Michigan guys uh, make plays on film and realize, look, well, these guys are coming back next year. So it's the continuity. Um, it, it's, it's always fascinating to me. I, I think it, it's, 
when you have that level of, of guys coming back and you have this level of coaching staff is, is mostly intact. All of your key pieces are mostly intact. Um, Listen, I mean, last year was a great season. So for, for them to come out and just kind of feel like they could skate through it. I, I think there's, there's a human element where in the back of your mind, like you said, you're always kind of worried that, you know, the other shoe might drop, especially as a Michigan fan, because even when times are good, it always feels like there might be chaos or disaster lurking around the corner. But I think, you know, the, the biggest task that this program and this coaching staff has right now is finding ways to keep yourself hungry, to keep yourself motivated. And I think given the fact that, you know, it used to be bowl games were take them or leave them. Now, the last two years, you've been in the college football playoff and you've played two of your worst games of the last two years in on the biggest stage. And I think that, you know, something that Michigan has done so well over these last couple of seasons has been, it's been like a grassroots player led mo- or player led movement that says, we're tired of this. We're, we're not, it's not going to happen again. The defining trait of these last two Michigan teams has been that kind of mentality. And it's, it's, you know, applied to the Michigan state rivalry. It's applied to winning those games on the road. It's applied to Ohio state. Uh, you know, that next bite of the apple, the biggest bite of the apple yet has to be finding a way to get to that next gear and, and keep that momentum in the three to four weeks before or, or between the big 10 championship and the college football playoff. And also, you know, knowing that if you lose a game somewhere, your season is not over. That's the biggest thing is that oftentimes in, in these successful Michigan seasons, when they've lost that first game, there's usually been a loss or two that comes after it. And a big turning point for this program was in 2021, when they found a way to kind of put that Michigan state game behind them and realize that, you know, there's a lot to play for. Even, you know, you watch a team like Ohio state still got in the playoff last year. So keeping your, I think what, keeping your goals focused on a week to week basis, but also knowing that there is no college football playoff mountain to get over. If you don't take care of your business one game at a time, I, it's, it's going to be fascinating to me how, how those guys keep that going, uh, especially given that those pieces a bit are, are just so similar from the last two years. Well, that whole thing, uh, I speak a lot about the climb, right? And Michigan's at a point in the climb. Like I, I liken it a lot to the joy of, being a Detroit Pistons fan in the early 2000s, right? You go from pre-Rick Carlisle to suddenly uh, a couple years of, you know, one year of, okay, they're starting to build something. And the next year, uh, wow, they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. And then you bring in Larry Brown and then you win the championship. And then after that, everything becomes rote. And anything less than, than a championship is a failure. That's kind of where Michigan is. Right. And, and it's it's like the feeling and not to just continue to grab other Detroit sports from their heydays and such. And I don't even want to say fully heydays, but it, it's like that that almost I don't want to say depressing feeling, uh, but kind of depressing, you know, like after 2006 or 2012, when the Tigers made it to the World Series and didn't win. There's something depressing that next year, less exciting when you hear pitchers and catchers report. Right. Because. You have this long slog before you get to the part that you actually want to see. You want to be able to sim to the end and know, can they take care of business? No longer does it become the journey. That doesn't isn't as fun. Now, the last two years, the journey was fun, right? Because even last year, 
it, it was kind of new because you had J.J. McCarthy as the new starting quarterback. Now there's expectations thrust upon him, thrust upon the defense. Jesse Minner, second year, third year of the defense. Blake Corum, all of these guys. We know what to expect of them. So uh, when when fall camp arrives in August, it's, it's going to be – it's not going to have that same type of – wonder right there's not there's you're not actually selling hope to use the old mark d'antonio uh line that he liked to use against michigan michigan's not selling hope anymore right they are not doing that they are out there saying this is what we expect jim harbaugh is embracing the national championship or bust of it all and so when you talk about storylines it really is just kind of what what are these guys doing on the on the team to get to that next step, to that next stage, you hear J.J. McCarthy is like a video game, stuff like that. But also, how are, how is the coaching staff self-evaluating? Because I don't fault them for the last year where it was uh, – so my computer just completely blacked out. Apparently, it doesn't recognize StreamYard. <laughs> it doesn't um, – because keeping in mind, 2021 – Michigan wasn't really supposed to be there. Georgia certainly was. Georgia, what should have been the number one seed, should have been Michigan-Alabama. I don't know how different that game goes. I would imagine Michigan probably would have been able to give Alabama a little bit better of a showing. But that that was kind of all gravy, right? No one was really going to beat Georgia, at least not again. Georgia could afford to lose one game. They lost the one game, and then they did what they did for the rest of the season when they saw Alabama for a second time. Last year's a little bit different, right? Because last year is a was a situation where there was no they had no business losing to TCU. It was really Michigan giveth and Michigan taketh away. Uh, because I thought that they had elements of the game actually being pretty good. Uh I know people don't want to hear that, but like JJ McCarthy, on top of having his worst game, also had his best game. It's kind of a weird duality that he had. So how how does he approach the season, knowing like, okay, I can throw for 343 yards. Yes, it's against a Big 12 defense, but I know I can do it. But I need to limit those mistakes. And how much does the coaching staff self-evaluate and say, hey, when we are on the, the one or two yard line and we have this offensive line and these all-star running backs, uh, instead of uh, running this really weird play with Colston Loveland with the intention of him passing to J.J. McCarthy, maybe we just pounded in between the tackles because we have that capability of doing that. Uh, how, how do they take a look at themselves and say, where did we make a lot of big mistakes? Because that game was a debacle on a pretty much every front. So in order to advance to get to that next spot, they need to be able to have the type of game plans that they've had against Ohio State. And the players need to be able to execute like they did in the uh, in the last two games versions of the game. So that I think is all the more interesting stuff. And not that we're ever going to really get answers from the coaching staff, uh, maybe a little bit from the players about how they're approaching it. But I think that's the most important thing this offseason is that self reflection and trying to figure out how do they take that next step. Yeah, there are two things there. I think the biggest. I think when you talk about with that self-reflection where it starts, I think a lot of it has to do with, um, and I'm not going to blame the Joe Moore award for this. Like they earned that, but you know, you lost those two games, the Georgia game, the TCU game, because your offensive line had maybe it's two worst days at the office that they've had in the last two years. And I think that's part of it. Um, you know, Michigan has been so successful when they've been able to 
impose their will and control the line of scrimmage. And when you can do that, you get to kind of dictate the tempo of, of how games go and how games are played. And they haven't been as assertive as they need to be there. And, and, you know, the Georgia game, maybe that was just the fate of it all because that was a historic, historically good uh, Georgia defensive line. But uh, last year there was all that talk about, you know, uh, smashing the three, three, five. And those guys by and large laughed confused by it. We laughed so. in their fa- in, in TCU's face when they acted like they were going to be able to like, to be able to do what they wanted to against the Michigan offensive line. I mean, I, the hubris that some of us had in talking and I'm, I'm certainly me. I don't know about you. Uh, I'll hand, hand to God. Like that's same deal. Um, and I think a lot of the three, three, five stuff just to go on a tangent was that we watched it played very poorly for whatever it was, those two or three years uh, yeah. of the rich Rodriguez era. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, Knowing that you have to bring your best when it's all on the line. Um, I think that's, and they know that they just didn't play well enough. Like there's no, you know, people will say, was it a, was it a, they lose momentum or did they, was there a reason for it? Was someone injured? Did they overlook TC? No, they just didn't play well. Like sometimes it's just as simple as that. And the other point I wanted to make about you there, all this talk about the climb is, to bring a third, uh, a third Detroit sports team into the mix tonight. We've almost filled the bingo card here. Uh, before the Red Wings won that cup in 97, there were several years in a row in the playoffs. Cause that playoff streak started, I think in either 91 or 92, where you're getting bounced early and you had, you had maybe the best team in the league a few times in that span. And um, you know, it didn't always work out. It's hard to win. It's hard to be the last team standing. I think, because the Georgias and the Alabamas of the world have made it look so easy. Um, you know, people take that for granted sometimes, but it's also think about how much sweeter some of the success has been, you know, namely the games against Ohio state, those weekends that, uh, that Michigan fans have spent in Indianapolis over the last two years. Think how much sweeter that was because of all the strife that, um, you know, the team went through first and foremost, it's mostly about those guys that earned that, but, uh, you know, the fan base has been put, had been put through the ringer too. Uh, you heard all the joke. I remember I've always heard jokes or that first big 10 media days I went to, it was, Oh, look, the Michigan guy finally got to go to Indianapolis and you hear, you know, all that stuff is gone now. So yeah, it'll be, um, to me, I think that's by far what it is, is how do you, how do you keep that laser focus? And, and that's to me by far what we're looking at. And you bringing up JJ McCarthy in the video game numbers was a good segue into kind of the next thing I wanted to talk about here. Um, I had a couple of narratives that I had sort of circled, but I want to, I want to stay parked out in this one. Uh, you brought out, you brought up JJ McCarthy and the, the quote about, you know, he looks like a video game character uh, or he looked like a video game character in spring football. So uh, I had this kind of, kind of earmarked for a true or true or false, but I think maybe now that I'm, you know, now that we've kind of talked it through a bit, it might be more of a buy or sell. Uh, are you buying that this, you know, JJ McCarthy taking a step forward? You know, some people think there are people in their brains that think, oh, well, he's going to pop and look like Joe Burrow in 2019. There are people that would just be happy. And this is me. This is the camp I fall into. I would just love to see him throw for 25 touchdowns and 3,000 yards. I mean, that's actually pretty pedestrian in today's college football, but. Um, are you buying or selling that JJ McCarthy, you know, we're seeing first round hype for him in next year's draft, which it could be a little premature for that, but you know, it, it, the skill set is all there. Are you buying or selling that this offense um, 
we've talked about the continuity, all these pieces back, but can kind of still transform uh, with him you know, leading the way. I'm buying it. I, I'm just curious about how much the coaching staff is willing to put him in that situation, especially kind of given the the non-conference schedule doesn't necessarily preclude him going out and winning some big games. Really, honestly, the schedule in general, even the conference schedule, they don't they don't meet like the aside from week five and six on the road, uh, Nebraska and Minnesota, which I, I don't think that those are going to be on par with the the last two back-to-back road games that they've had in weeks five and six. Uh, so it, it's, they don't really see someone until Michigan state. And you can question whether Michigan state's someone uh, in the middle of the season, mid to late season. Uh, so I, I don't know if the coaching staff will necessarily put them in that position. I hope they do because here's one of the interesting things that I, I had looked up and spoke about on the lockdown Wolverines is uh, if Michigan, say Michigan reaches 15 games, then J.J. McCarthy would only need to throw for 221 yards, I believe, or 223 or something like that, a game to break John Navarre's 2003 record. Now, every national championship team outside of some of those late 2010 Alabama teams have eclipsed those numbers, the passing yard numbers that John Navarre had set. It's, it's pretty much a prerequisite in today's college football to be able to have a passing game that can go out there and do, and do that. Um, I, I believe the only other exception was – actually, I, I don't think it was an exception. Georgia, two years ago, uh, I think that Stetson Bennett, the, the combination of Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels was right around that line of 3,331 yards. Um, but Stetson Bennett – prime example really took off this last year and you you were able to see them uh, run the table in, in an even more impressive way this past season uh, uh, Georgia was so I think that Michigan needs him to be able to uh, be unleashed a little bit I think that that's really important actually and they still can find a way to run a football at a high clip I, and, and I think that that's also important I'm not saying get away from what works but they need to be a little bit more of a downfield passing team rather than kind of the a little bit less of the short game, a little bit longer, really try to hit a few more home runs. Certainly that's in his wheelhouse. That's what we expected from J.J. McCarthy. And we saw it both a little bit last or two years ago in his freshman year uh, when he wasn't asked to run. Uh, we saw it again in the uh, uh, beginning of the season last year. I, th- I thought that I think we all thought with that Hawaii game with that first long touchdown to Roman Wilson, that that was a precursor of what was to come. And then we really didn't see the long ball hit again until the Ohio state game. It's in their capability of doing, they just need to get that rhythm going earlier. And I, I just don't think that they'll be able to win a national championship without flexing that muscle a little bit. While it's great that we saw it work uh, late in the season. I mean, heck, even in that TCU game, like I said, 343 yards, two touchdowns, but two interceptions. I mean, certainly one of the should have been three touchdowns. Uh, but uh, if they, they need to flex all of their muscles a little bit throughout the season before they get to the end. Uh, and I think that that's really, really important. Uh, so I'm going to buy, but it's kind of comes with that big caveat of, is the coaching staff actually going to be willing to put him in that position? Because every year it kind of seems like, I, I don't know about you. I, I write down 10 bold predictions every year and I'm like, 
Michigan's starting quarterback will break the single season passing record. And then somewhere near late the season, you're like, yeah, well, okay, never mind. Uh, but now they have a quarterback that really should do it. It you can't look at JJ McCarthy and John Navarre and say that, okay, that guy can't do it. He certainly can. It's just a will they let him. Yeah. And to me, I mean, he's their he's their most gifted, and this is not uh Drew Henson or Denard Robinson erasure by any means, just talking on pure talent, but he's the most purely talented dual threat guy this program has probably ever had. So uh, for me, I, I think a lot of what this conversation revolves around is one, how many times did we go to a post-game press conference last year or a Monday press conference or a Wednesday press conference where there, you have coaches and players talking about leaving meat on the bone that can't happen this year. Um, and yeah, I guess technically you were allowed. I mean, it was allowed to happen last year. It just inherently ha- happened last year. But, um, you know, through repetition is where you kind of are able to set a foundation and build off those things. And, you know, there was, it was, we're eight, nine weeks into the season and you still have guys dropping deep balls down the field or, you know, JJ may maybe just being a fingertip off of where a ball needs to go. Um, the, the interesting thing to me is that, as it pertains to what they're going to put on his plate, that TCU game, like you said earlier, was kind of the best of both worlds where, uh, well, not the best. It was the best of this and the worst of it as well in terms of the turnovers and some of the overturned calls and things. Uh, some of the play calling was wonky in that game. But, um, you know, that there, there's like this push-pull with the coaching staff wondering what it is they can still put on his plate. We've heard Jim Harbaugh talk about how that TCU game he felt was basically an extra season's worth of experience for him because of the stage, because of what it took to come back, uh, because of what was on his shoulders to get them back in that football game. Uh, and then this offseason, I mean, completely, you know, he put on 10 pounds. He's been completely in command of the offense by all accounts. Uh, you know, Sharon Moore, you bring up that TCU game to him and he says, yeah, it's all fine and good, but we lost the game. So I think that they'll try to find a middle ground with that. Um, and again, yeah, it's, it takes a different caliber of quarterback to win a national title. Now, um, you know, people would argue that Stetson Bennett was like a game manager, but the guy was a Heisman finalist last year. And maybe that's because no one else, everyone else just kind of got swallowed up by a crater at the end of the year. But you need, you need a guy that can make those, you know, with this, you know, make those, those got to have it type of throws. I think JJ is that. I think he's proven that he can be that with his legs, although I don't think they're going to turn him into Lamar Jackson. But, you know, you just want him to be a guy that um, what he does best is thrive off schedule. A lot of what Michigan does, they want to stay on schedule. They want to be physical. They want to run the football. Uh, but it doesn't have to be one thing or another. You know, oftentimes the takeaway, you know, when they run for 400 yards in a game, and, and maybe only pass for 120 or something as well, you know, can't, can't knock what works. And that's, you know, in the flow of a game, you call the plays that need to be called to win a game, but you know, there's something to be said about, you can, you know, that's what, that's, what's made some of those more recent Alabama teams dangerous is that they can, they can hammer you in the run game, but you know, here's Jamison Williams and we can pop a long touchdown down the field. And you have that home run explosiveness. So uh, to me, I think it's, it's an easy buy to me um, that JJ McCarthy and this Michigan passing game takes a step forward. A lot of it's contingent on what some of these skill players do uh, need guys to step up there, but 
I just I feel like with the group of wide receivers and tight ends they have, you know, we'll see if a, a true star emerges from all that. But there's a lot of quality options there. And to me, there's no reason that these guys shouldn't kind of take their games to the next level. Do note, though, with like you mentioned, Stetson Bennett and uh, being kind of a game manager, you can't watch the way he played in the playoff in either game. But it really, it was particularly the national championship game and say, that guy's a game manager. That guy, he, he, I mean, even, in, even in the Michigan game, I, when, when we expected Stetson Bennett to be really just a maybe lesser version of Cade McNamara, I went into that game thinking exactly that, right? Like not saying like a significantly lesser version, but I thought, well, they have their Cade McNamara. Michigan has its Cade McNamara and made the best Cade McNamara win. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. uh, Nonetheless, I mean, he was making some throws that were unbelievable. And then in this last national championship game, he was not only making throws that were unbelievable, he, he's using his legs and doing things like that. And that's what Michigan needs J.J. McCarthy to do, is that they need Michigan, that they need him to take that same step forward. I, I, I don't have, a, have the numbers up here on my computer, but it, Stetson Bennett went from passing – around what JJ passed for last year, 2,700 ish, I believe uh, in uh, 2021 to, to being like a 4,000 yard passer this last year. Like I've, I've got the numbers here. I'll rattle them off real fast. So 2021 Stetson Bennett throws for 2,325 yards, 24 touchdowns, seven picks. Now, mind you, 340, 340 yards in the sec championship game against Alabama. Uh, he had 313, uh, three touchdowns, no picks against Michigan in the playoff, and then had another 224, two touchdowns, no picks against Bama in the rematch. And then last year, he takes the leap from, okay, and these, the passing totals in general, I don't think are too much to ask. 3,400 yards, 20 touchdowns, six picks. That's that's nothing crazy in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Now, the playoff, he comes out, throws for 400 yards against Ohio State, Throws for 300 yards and four touchdowns against TCU. Most of that in the first half. Um, yeah, I, I know people want people want JJ McCarthy to be Joe Burrow or or Trevor Lawrence or some of these other guys that have been kind of the the draft darlings of the last few years that have won big. But if JJ McCarthy becomes Stetson Bennett, Michigan might be the team to beat. Uh, when we're talking about national titles. So it'll be interesting to watch. Um, Not asking him for to be, for him to be Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence. Can you just be CJ Stroud with the, except for without the losses to your rival? I mean, that's not too much <laughs> to ask for, right? Being a, being a 5,000 yard passer. <laughs> I, mean, uh, yeah, I know CJ we'll didn't quite hit the that difference there. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, I, I like, I just, I, I just like where they're at right now. And I feel like he, uh, you know, you start looking at some of these early mock drafts and you see that, you know, I think got trade based guys are always going to kind of get mocked early. But when you're looking at these fran when teams look at these franchise caliber guys, you're looking at players that, you know, can wear the expectations on their shoulders that can lift a program or, or an organization just by walking into the building. And He's been all that and more. And, and the fact that, you know, we, we lose sight of the fact that last year he was a true or he was a sophomore um, and played a lot of meaningful football as a true freshman. I mean, development isn't always linear, but you just feel like a guy who 
It's been a healthy off. Remember he missed all of spring ball last year with the shoulder injury. Kind of, it was actually kind of remarkable. He even made up as much ground as he did in fall camp to compete with Cade McNamara and then rips the job out of his hands in week two and never looks back. And that guy has a full off season now with, you know, more work with Ben Herbert and you know more stability on offense. That's, I just don't see how it doesn't take a step forward. Right. I think the, the only important thing, not only important thing, but the most important thing is for, for JJ not to try to be all things to, for all people. And I know that sounds like a weird thing to say, right? That's a personality thing. And that is one thing that I had been told by someone within the program is, is sometimes he tries to do a little too much and you try to rein him in because he does get a little anxious just by the virtue of trying to do too much, trying to please everyone, trying to, to placate everyone because there's a lot of expectations that come with it being a starting quarterback. Right. And it's, and you know, especially the, the idea of being a team leader and being friends with everyone and, and getting everyone to move in the right direction in the same direction, all of that stuff. So I think that for him, I think one of the most important things is for him to just kind of pare it down and let what comes come naturally uh, so that he doesn't get bogged down in some of the minutia. Cause Mid-season, when he was starting to have a little bit of those those struggles, uh, I know in, in, against Indiana he came alive in the second half, but that was when I believe that was around the time that I was told that, and it seemed a little crazy because it was coming off of some really good performances. Uh, but we kind of saw how that kind of worked out in reality, uh, because you have to keep in mind that he's not a pro, he's not a he's, he's not spending full time on uh, on football as much as we kind of act like it. That's the case for these student athletes. So it's just a matter of him being able to kind of keep his head on his shoulders. And I told, I totally believe he will, right? He is so determined to the point that he's almost kind of annoying. Uh, I, I've, I've <laughs> mentioned this to my, my girlfriend before where it was just kind of like this. I showed her a video of him from a press conference. I'm like, you can look into those eyes and see that like nothing really bad has ever happened to this kid. He's just full of optimism and hope and love and all of these things. And it almost makes you a little angry uh, when you're old and jaded like I am. But uh, nonetheless, it's if, if he can just at least not only keep his head on his shoulders, but just kind of rein himself in a little bit so he doesn't get carried away with this idea of trying to, you know, trying to be that guy that won the national championship for Michigan. You mentioned earlier, take things a game at a time. That's probably the most important thing for him is to do that, because if he does that, they probably will at least get to the national championship game. But if he starts to take that, you know, I need to be this is what I want my legacy to be. This is the year that we can do this, all of that type of stuff. That's when things go off the rails. Yeah. I'll, I'll push back on the, it doesn't look like anything bad has ever happened to him. Uh, he's a former hockey player. I think that kid obviously has his, he has history taken a hit. And I think when you take all those hits growing up, because they say, you know, younger hockey, younger levels of hockey, they don't want you hitting each other, but they still do. Uh, you take those hits. Eventually it just doesn't phase you. Uh, so yeah, it's, he's, he's an upbeat guy. He's, he's all of those things you've said and more and, I'm excited to see it all come together. I mean, this is probably, I mean, is it the most anticipated, you know, second year starter 
leap that we could see from a guy in a long time. I mean, I'm, I'm really interested to see where it goes and it sets up. Now we'll get into the Q and a part of the show. Cause we do have quite a bit here that actually pertain to what we've been talking about with the passing game and JJ McCarthy. We'll start here with uh, the YouTube comments and then we'll go into the stuff from the message board. Uh, mostly noble. Uh, see says the starters are set up, but what happens with injuries? God forbid JJ McCarthy is hurt. How many games can Davis Warren win for them? Assuming it is Davis Warren. It could be Jack Tuttle. Enough time passes. Maybe it's even Alex Orgy. We don't know yet. Uh, I'll say this. Um, and it goes beyond like it. It goes with JJ McCarthy in the lineup all the way down to if you need to insert someone in there. I think this Michigan offense is tailor made for a guy to kind of set up. As long as you come in, you make the right reads, you run the offense, you're going to win football games because their offensive line is elite. They have two elite running backs that we haven't even really mentioned yet. And so how many games can Davis Warren win? I mean, I don't know. I mean, insert, insert whatever backup you want into this question, but uh, it, it makes it, you know, the, none of the games are a shoe in anyways, but I think that they'd be set up fairly well for someone to come in, a, assuming everyone else kind of just does their job. Honestly, I wouldn't worry too much about that type of thing because Cardale Jones won a national championship. Stetson Bennett, when keeping in mind, yes, last year we, we all knew what he was, but he when he first started getting that nod when Georgia benched Juan Mathis, the former Oak Park uh, four star, uh, it was like, well, Georgia's resorted to a walk on, and then he won two national champions championships. So that's not the type of thing that I think you should really worry about, especially because, I mean, even even going. How many how many people out there thought that Michigan was going to be able to beat Ohio State and uh, win the Big Ten and make it to the college football playoff, no less, and uh, at least put on put up a fight regardless of the opponent without Blake Corum, given what we had seen all season long? I I wasn't one of those, right? Like I went all year saying Michigan's going to beat Ohio State and then completely flip flopped uh, the week of the game uh, because. Uh, I mean, as, as good as Donovan Edwards was, it didn't really seem like Michigan was in a prime position. Attrition it can be due to injuries can be part of the game. Now, if they lose J.J. McCarthy and a running back, then things start to get a little bit murkier. But, uh, I mean, it's we've seen teams win national championships with worse circumstances. So, like I said, Cardale Jones won a national championship. So, And he didn't come to play school either. So No, he didn't. Uh, yeah, to me, it's. I, I think you kind of just roll with, assuming there's good health everywhere else. You, you just kind of have to to kind of piece it together. And and we've seen them. We've seen this coaching staff put game plans together for, with guys that, you know, are far less talented than what Michigan has. You know, at the back of the depth chart there. So. I mean, it's it's impossible to tell. I mean, you lose a guy somewhere, you lose a guy somewhere else, your season can start to look really different. But um, I think the one thing that is kind of freaking Michigan fans out is that, you know, at least, and again, knock on wood, whatever it is, uh, at least in years past where you've been facing a scenario where let's just say a quarterback goes down. You have a guy behind him on the depth chart, in most cases that you feel like is probably going to be your starting quarterback down the road. Now I'm not saying that Davis Warren can't be that. I'm not saying that Jack Tuttle can't you win you a football game. I'm not saying that Alex Orgy couldn't eventually be, you know, a power five starter, but um, 
I don't know if Michigan's next full-time starting quarterback is on the roster right now. So usually that one of the, uh, I don't, I, I don't know if I can take this Jaden Denegal slander, man. Well, you could throw him in there too. Uh, <laughs> I, I would love to see him come in and compete because the more guys you have playing at a high level, the better it is for everyone else. But uh, I, I think that the silver lining of having your quarterback go down in a lot of seasons is that you kind of get to build equity into the future. Now, Michigan gets to Jaden Denegal on the depth chart this year. We might, you know, we might be talking, having a totally different conversation about what the hell happened to get them to that point. But yeah, I mean, it's not something to really worry about. I think that uh, because this roster is so deep and so strong, at so many different position groups. The fact that you maybe there is a drop off at maybe the most important position on the field. Uh, it has people nervous, but I, I think that, you know, it just becomes important to keep everyone healthy and you can't really control that. I mean, it wasn't Blake Corum's fault. He got hurt last year. Wasn't Michigan's fault he got hurt last year? He just got hurt last year. Sometimes it was Clayton Safety's fault. It because was. you want to know why? Because the then leading up to that Illinois game, I asked him to send me audio because I went to a concert on a Tuesday night instead of going to the press conference. First Tuesday <laughs> night I've missed since I've covered the team in 2015. He never sent me the audio. What happens on Saturday? Blake Corum goes down. Clayton Safety's fault. Mm. Well. We'll have to settle. You guys will have to settle that beef. I don't want any. I'm a, I'm I'm Switzerland here. I'm I'm, I'm a pass. Come on, be on my side, Anthony. Just join me. <laughs> I'll be on, on your side. I'll be on your side for now because you're right. you're sitting in the the other chair. But perfect. Uh, let's keep it rolling. Uh, a couple of YouTube comments here. Uh, sticking with kind of the the topic uh, we've been continuing to roll with here. It's turned into a quarterback and wide receiver show. Wasn't necessarily a plan, but that's how it goes sometimes. Uh, truth 6.9 says wide receiver depth and production makes me nervous. Another nervous position group here. Uh, who do you guys think will emerge as the number one wide receiver? I'll kind of just go a quick hitter with this one. Um, I don't know if they'll have a true number one, but I, I actually think that Cornelius Johnson or Roman Wilson will, will be pretty steady at the top of the depth chart. Uh, need those guys to be a little more consistent. We've talked about that before on the show where you can't have the weeks where they have four or five catches and then they disappear. Uh, also, hello to Zuri. Uh, yeah, she, she does. She does this every now and again. <laughs> we have a third co-host now. Um, yeah, I think that things will be pretty steady at the top of the depth chart. It's I don't know what the upside is there yet. That's that's going to be fun to track as well. Yeah, I, I I'm really excited about Roman Wilson. To be honest, I've long called him a uh, a diet Devonte Smith. And it, it really started to kind of feel that way early in the season last year. And he kind of disappeared a little bit in week, uh, weeks three and four. And then, uh, but it just felt like the last two years, like he's starting to come on. And then week five, they go on the road and something happens. He gets injured. And then he doesn't emerge again until the near the end of the season. 2021, he reemerged against Penn State. And then, uh, last year he really kind of didn't fully reemerge until the uh until the college football playoff game so i if i'm michigan i either leave him at home on in week five when they go to nebraska just just keep him home say hey you can enjoy watching it on tv put him in some bubble wrap maybe a full-on bubble ball situation don't let him go anywhere week five because that's been the bad week for him uh, I think he's got a lot of capability that we just kind of haven't seen. Cordelius Johnson is this type of dude where it's like every time I count him out and it seems like I do it vocally, 
it's almost like he hears me on the field. And that's the point where I'm like, I, I don't know that he is that guy. I just don't think he can do it. I said it to Clayton, who was on the sideline with me uh, at the Indiana game. And what did he do? He got two touchdowns in the immediate aftermath within like minutes of me saying that. Uh, and then Ohio State game, I was uh, down on the sidelines with one of your competitors and uh, talking about, uh, again, Cornelius Johnson. And what did he do? He got two touchdowns right after that. So uh, maybe I just need to badmouth him more in game. And then he, like, he feels that and suddenly turns things on. He just needs to be more consistent. He, and certainly, uh, I mean, that's that's what we've heard he's been in the spring. Sherrilyn Moore said that uh, there were a lot of things that he was uh, knew he needed to work on, and he we feel and he feels like he has achieved those goals in the spring. Uh, but just as importantly, we need to see that second-year class really step up. Tyler Morris, because uh, keep in mind, they don't have Ronnie Bell anymore. So they either need Tyler Morris uh, at, at that slot position or whether it's Frederick Moore looked great in the spring game, Samaj Morgan. I know they're really excited for Carmelo English. Uh, those all three of those guys could be those interior guys as well. And then Darius Clemens needs to really emerge in the spot that they expected Andrell Anthony, because obviously you need to have a lot of depth there. I do agree with you that it likely is Corn Cornelius and Roman. I'd like to see Roman stay healthy and do what he, I think he's fully capable of Cornelius be consistent. And then, then they just got to figure out who from the rest of the field is going to be capable. Yeah. I'll read this from P Maximus here in a second, but just to, it seemed like every, every time we did a pregame podcast last year, we, you know, we do a little round table thing. Who's your player of the game. And for a while, it just became, it became a bit that I kept picking uh, Andrew Anthony because I felt like you look at PFF and you looked at just the, the, uh, the numbers Cornelius Johnson just didn't play well most of last year. And then of course he has the biggest game of his life in the biggest game, you know, of any of their lives in that Ohio state game in Columbus. So, um, you know, doesn't need to, to pop everyone for 120 yards and two touchdowns every week. He might be in New York in December if that happens, but yeah, uh, just need those guys to be a little more stable at the top. Uh, P Maximus says, speaking of lack of a deep threat, with Tyler Morris and JJ being high school teammates, why haven't we seen them make connections? Tyler Morris even dropped a pass in the spring game. Well, first of all, Tyler Morris was a true freshman last year coming off of a torn ACL. So didn't really, it didn't really lend himself to, to playing a ton of snaps. Now he had a couple of nice plays in there throughout the year. There was a nice third down catch uh, in that Rutgers game. I think before the end of the half, that was probably the most impressed I've been with him uh, so far at Michigan. But again, remember, it's a true freshman and a guy that wasn't necessarily a, you know, he wasn't a five-star plug and play starter into your lineup. So yeah, you talk about guys that can replace Ronnie Bell. It starts with, you know, the Roman Wilson's, the Tyler Morris's of the world. I wouldn't make too much of not seeing them make a connection in the spring game. I mean, JJ didn't play most of that game. The offensive lines were split up. I think Tyler Morris is, you know, your your top four at wide receiver, I think, are relatively set. I'll even throw it at the top five if you want to. We should be throwing Peyton O'Leary in there, but mm. it's Cornelius Johnson, it's Roman Wilson, it's Darius Clemens, Tyler Morris, and then O'Leary, and we'll see what happens with the true freshman. But I think that's things are pretty set there right now, so I'm not too worried about Tyler Morris. No, I'm not either. I, it's I I I had actually asked. Uh... I had actually asked some people around Michigan. They said, oh, this was an, an unintentional. But one of the things that I've always kind of noticed 
and I'm sure you have, we get when we start getting certain guys, especially ones that haven't played much in press conferences, uh, that's usually a sign that things are going really well for them in practice. Uh, especially if like they haven't done anything in a game and suddenly, you know, they're like, all right, we got Tyler Morris. Same thing with the social media when they're being featured and like, Oh, you know, look at these guys from practice. There were like five pictures. One, the one week of Tyler Morris from practice, all making big plays. And then that week we got him in uh, the spring pre- uh, press conference. So that's usually a pretty good sign. And I also want to add that generally you don't really count on freshman wide receivers being the be all end all. Sometimes it happens, right? You see it every now and again. I uh, hate, hate to say this name anywhere around Michigan fans, but obviously Xavier Worthy was a pretty good freshman wide receiver. Uh, but it's it's rare, right? Like the only reason why we we really saw Donovan Peoples-Jones in 2017 wasn't because he was a five-star and all of that. It was more out of necessity. He and Tariq Black, especially when Tariq Black went down, Donovan became – that much more of someone that they needed to really truly count on. But notice Nico Collins did not have an impressive 2017 campaign at all. If anything, he looked really raw and who became the best of the four of that 2017 recruiting class of that touted wide receiver group, Nico Collins. And it was by a mile. So it's, it usually it takes receivers just a little bit before they really figure out what they need to do in order to be those big time players. And remember Ronnie Bell wasn't Ronnie Bell until his sophomore year. DPJ got better his sophomore year in 2018 as did Tariq. No, sorry, not Tariq, but Nico Um, pretty much down the line. You can, you can look at any Michigan receiver that's been worth their salt. They didn't really do much their freshman year. It started to come alive, maybe their sophomore year. And usually they're at their best by their junior. Uh, Welch's McGee makes a good point here when he says Donovan Edwards is their best wide receiver. I remain hopeful that we see him in the slot and quorum at running back. That would be unfair. Yeah. I, I think just my overarching thoughts on the the skill position groups is that, yeah, it'd be nice to see a, a star or two emerge somewhere. I think Donovan Edwards is that right now. I think that he's a guy that you're going to want to see him. I think they can play him on the field as uh, at the same time as quorum. They won't admit it, but I think that they know when healthy, they'd like to explore that. Um, he basically came out of high school as a slot, uh, slot wide receiver that is still learning to play running back too. You know, the vision is still a work in progress. Uh, the home runs he can hit as a back are, are amazing. And we've seen them hit some of those heights, you know, in the Ohio state game, big 10 championship game uh, early on in that TCU game. But uh, you know, sometimes you need to keep a drive going with, those five yard runs, those six yard runs. So consistency there with him, I think is going to be, I have no issues saying it. I, mean, I think he's probably their most appealing pro pop uh, pro prospect. Say that five times fast. Um, you know, when it comes to what this next class looks like in terms of their, their offensive skill players. So uh, we'll move on from the offense and go into some of the questions from the message board here. Uh, this one's from again, didn't plan it this way, but uh, from Aerdal94, I hope I said that right. He says, what three players could play themselves into a first-round selection in next year's NFL draft? Uh, we've talked about a bunch of them already. I'd say J.J. McCarthy is one. I think both, given that two running backs just went in the first round of this year's NFL draft, I think that both Blake Quorum and Donovan Edwards are probably in play for that. 
I'm trying to think other first round picks. Chris That's Jenkins, tough. I've even seen him mocked. Yeah, as a first round pick. So well, let's let's which, hear some of yours. I mean, Chris Jenkins would be one of them. He's got the leadership as well as the like people. The way that he's talked about, and uh, I had a uh, Max Chadwick on from uh, PFF the uh, last week, and he talked about Chris Jenkins. Like he's like, you have no idea, like just how good of a run stuffer he is. He's best in the country, basically. And it's like, if he's generating that pass, those pass moves, like they say he is, he's just going to be unstoppable. I think that it's, you're pretty used to seeing a Michigan defensive lineman. I know we're used to the edge guys, but, you know, every now and again, like, you know, they just put Mozzie Smith in the first round. I would expect that Chris Jenkins would probably follow behind. And if I don't be surprised if either Braden McGregor or uh, Jalen Harrell or both end up being right there, right? Like they, Michigan, this is like the first year in a long time that they haven't put their starting edge rusher in the top end of the draft, right? Like that's a pretty normal thing for them to do from all the way back to the beginning of Jim Harbaugh, essentially uh, with uh, taco Charlton being a first round pick uh, even to Josh Uche was a second round pick. And, you know, obviously eight, we saw Aiden and Quiddy both go in the first round. So I would definitely put money there. And the other one that I would say is Rod Moore, uh, Max Chadwick was talking about Rod Moore. He's like, people don't really understand just how good he is. Like he is about, he's like, he's kind of ho-hum in the sense of like, he's not going to be like extremely flashy per se, but he does literally everything right. And he's a hard hitter. He's in the right positions. He just is able to sniff out a play. He's instinctive. He's got everything that you really want in a safety. So Rod Moore to me, I think would really be a guy that is probably almost certain to be an early round pick he's got kind of everything that you want i'll throw one more in there since he brought up the pass rushers and i think i could be mistaken it was either pro football focus or pro football network some one of them is very high on josiah stewart as well um as a guy i think a top 100 guy and someone who could make that push there and an explosive guy you know you talk about pass rushers explosion and disruptiveness is, is where you could win a lot there so we'll see uh God, I mean, they have 15 or 16 guys that are probably going to get drafted. So any of them, I could see any of them, any position kind of rising into that first round uh, sphere, so to speak. Uh, we're going to take two more. This one's kind of a quick hitter here. They're both kind of quick hitters, but I want to park on the last one a little bit longer. Uh, this is from Wolverine 101 on the fort who says over under Jim Harbaugh is here for another three years. I'll say over at this point. Yeah, I'm going to say over. I, I, there's nothing that's really, aside from the surprising what have you in 2021, I, I, I didn't really think he was going anywhere this last year. Uh, there was no part of me that thought he was going anywhere. Uh, I, I would imagine he's going to be around probably another five years, six years, and then we'll see where, where he goes from there. Yeah, I need to add that half year in there for the over-under. Three and a half, two and a half, whatever. Uh, I'll say he's here for four more years, so... That's my official prediction. Last but not least, uh, Isaiah, you're a succession guy, right? I'm not mm -hmm. mistaking that. Yep. This one's from Clayton Safey, who is gone tonight, but not forgotten, of course. He wants to know who you think will win, quote unquote, succession. Carl. Carl? No, I'm, I'm kidding. See, I no, this is where I'm going to pull up my phone. I, I, uh, I don't really know who's going to win it. I'd like Kendall to win it. I've, I've felt long... Something about his awkwardness just resonates with me. 
I send Clayton because he missed a couple episodes live, and actually I missed the the live episode. Uh, almost all of the texts that we that I've sent him in the last uh, three four weeks are fake succession spoilers. So let's. <laughs> So the some of it's uh, fake let's spoiler see. alert, by the way. So like a uh, couple weeks ago, I said, "Wow, this episode of Succession is animated." Carl's the only one that's live action. Weird choice to have Kendall played by Morty from Rick and Morty. Fisher Stevens' character is actually a continuation of the character he played in Hackers. Uh, then he, I found out he was watching live. Uh, some of these can't be said on air, um, but uh, let's see. Like, so this morning I, I watched it. I forgot because it was Mother's Day. I didn't get home till like 10 p.m. Didn't even really recognize it was Sunday. So I watched it this morning. So I said, just starting succession. Wild that Kendall meets Jeremy Strong and Roman meets Kieran Culkin. Shiv married Kanye. Jim Harbaugh makes a guest appearance as Screech's cousin. Tom and Greg get married. Tom and Greg then open a bodega sushi joint. So. That's uh, that's what I think maybe could happen. No, I just had to share the uh, the ridiculousness between. Well, there is there is a writer strike going on right now, so it sounds mm. like there's a spot for you somewhere to slide into a room and ruin a show. It. Yeah, I'm I'm all <laughs> here for it. Um, I'm always wanted to ruin a show ever since I saw the fifth season of The OC, which I'm not gonna lie, I was. I'm a big fan. As some, for those who don't know, I was a film major. I have a film degree from Michigan. I worked in Hollywood for four years. Um, when I saw season five of the OC, when they they knew they were going to get canceled, so they just basically were like, you know what, screw it, we're gonna do all the weird stuff that we can do. I thought that it was amazing. It was the most fun season. It, it stopped taking itself seriously. I want the ability to go in and ruin a show because I think that would be so much fun. So you're telling me you weren't in the writer's room for the last season of Game of Thrones. Oh, man. I I want to strike against whoever David Benioff and I, I'm, I don't hate them, but I, uh, that, that's so disappointing. I, I literally cried at the opening of season eight, episode one. I was so excited. I'm like watching like when the kids climb in the tree and it's reminiscent of Arya from the, the pilot. I was like in hearing the theme song. I was like crying out of being that excited and only for it to get ruined from episode three forward, man. It's just, it's no, I wouldn't, I would, let's not ruin a show like that. Let's actually go back and fix it. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Uh, back to, back to succession uh, real quick. I'll just, I'll say Nan Pierce. And if you need me to explain it to you, we could do it off platform, but we're time is running low for us here. I feel like Nan Pierce is going to come from the clouds uh, and be the, the quote unquote winner of that show. Uh, I truly believe this too. I put it on the board. So uh, I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, Isaiah, thank you so much for your time uh, stepping into, I won't say the co or the, the guest chair. It's, it's the co-host chair. Did a fine job tonight. We'll have you on at some point again, maybe during the summer months, um, maybe during the season, see what happens. I, I Usually it's a uh, it's a democracy among the three of us on Monday night. Tonight it was a dictatorship because I'm the only normal one here, along with producer Megan behind the scenes. Uh, so be sure to like and subscribe uh, to the Wolverines YouTube channel for all of these types of shows. We do clips of the shows, um, analysis from football, basketball, recruiting, and more. So be sure to like and subscribe. If you're someone who's listening in the podcast feed, Leave a five-star review. Uh, tell us tell us what you like about what we're doing and uh, tell us what we can improve on. We're always open to that as well. So 
Um, also, Wolverine.com, hop in as a subscriber over there. Uh, we have a $29.99 deal that gets you six months of access uh, to our website. So uh, be sure to hop on that. That's a new deal. You guys are going to want to hop on that. Let me interject. Possible. Tell, tell everyone I am a paying subscriber of I, I paid the full amount. It's worth it. And yeah, we, I have no reason to right? because like I'm in the media as well, but it's fun over there. Well, uh, I mean, we told Isaiah, we said, Hey, listen, man, we'll comp your account. He says, no, I just want to like guest host your podcast. Like yeah. maybe once, once, or, you know, once or twice a year. So I, I, I paid uh, the $99 to be able to do that. So thanks well, we, for finally making well, do on it. Thank you for that. Thank you to all our subscribers out there. Uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So we'll, uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Uh, thanks to Isaiah. Thanks to Megan behind the scenes. Thanks to Clayton and Chris. Uh, we'll be back with them next Monday and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.